0: Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to Best and Worst of the Weekend. You can be next at 1 800 849 2761. In 10 minutes, a Best of the Weekend nominee, in fact, one of the leading vote getters, is going to join us. Mac Brown of the North Carolina Tar Heels. He got one of the bigger wins as an underdog in the college football weekend. He went viral for his 68 year old man locker room dance. And he also went viral for his post-game interview with his former ESPN colleague, Allison Williams, right there on the field at Bank of America Stadium. We'll get into at least those things with Mac and Darren. I don't know if I'll hit every question on my list, but remind me, if you can, not to forget, his wife, Sally, forced Mac Brown to reconsider how he handled victory and defeat earlier in his career. And as a married man, in my case, for more than 20 years, I can promise you there are a few things where Maria, the lovely and talented, told me how things were going to be. Didn't suggest it. It was more, this will change or the locks will change, you know, and your suitcases (laughs) will be left by the mailbox. Most of the time, it's just much more fun, back and forth, adult to adult. We're all trying to make this work. You have kids, you have a house, a mortgage. You just cooperate, right, occasionally. There is the this will happen or you're out of here or something close to that. Now, Sally, Mac's wife, told him how things were going to be, whether the Tar Heels had lost to the Gamecocks in Charlotte in his Mac is back return to the Carolina Blue or whether they won that game, of course, as they did. Remind me to ask that question of Mac Brown when he joins us shortly. It was an interesting part of the story that unfolded in Charlotte on Saturday. Of course, we'll ask about the dance. Had his players ever seen anything like that before? Where did that come from? We'll find out about that. And what about the emotion that led him choking through his words in the aftermath as Allison Williams was asking all the right questions there on the field? By the way, Mac Brown, six years ago, had to fire... In the month of September, it's one thing to lose your job in the offseason. Mac Brown had to fire the man who is the new head coach of the Miami Hurricanes who's bringing his team to Chapel Hill this Saturday night. So we're bringing the big tailgate tour to Franklin Street and to Keenan Stadium. We hope to see you there. Again, tell us where you'll be if you want to win tailgate of the week honors or, or have me show up, more importantly, with the Carolina Hurricanes Storm Squad uh, cheerleaders by our side. Mac Brown gets the win. Mac Brown's freshman quarterback plays well. Mac Brown is a master when it comes to relationships. How do you handle a relationship with a guy that you had to fire in the month of September? Manny Diaz was Mac Brown's defensive coordinator. We were talking earlier about Jay Bateman's role in helping the Heels beat the Gamecocks this past Saturday. Manny Diaz was a three-year Texas Longhorns defensive coordinator under Mac Brown and a season started poorly, again, all coaches understand that in the offseason, there are changes. Assistant coaches live nomadic lifestyles almost all of the time. Their wives and families know we might have to pick up stakes and move somewhere else. Happens a lot, way more than you might guess. It doesn't happen as much in the month of September when your season just started. How has Mac Brown handled in the last six years that that relationship? You know, if Manny Diaz has been carrying a grudge for six years, he's got a talented team. Most agree it's one of the more talented in the ACC, not named the Clemson Tigers. Miami, of course, lost its opener against a top-10-ranked Florida team, although most people think the Gators were a little bit overrated heading into that matchup in Orlando about a week and a half ago. But the Manny diaz Mac Brown matchup, Offers some parallels to the Will Muschamp, Mac Brant. What is it? Mac against his former defensive coordinators in week one and week two. This time, of course, he's on his home field. It will be the first time in 22 years that Mac is leading a Carolina team to battle in Keenan Stadium. Herb in Durham actually has this matchup on his mind. Others want to vote best or worst of the weekend. Herb, you are next on the David Glenn Show. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you very much. I'll be real quick. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to. Well, Matt is the obvious best of the week, and not because of the football game for me, but because you see, an old guy. I'm older than he is. An old guy who's willing to change and allow kids to have fun. When the battle, when the belts came out for the interstate.
0: Oh yeah, the turnover belt.
1: Folks went crazy. I was telling my kids about a week ago. There aren't many coaches that' allow kids to have that much fun so that's you're, you're one. right that
0: it's with the fans. yeah you're right that fans. it's changing herb you don't have to tell us your exact age but would would coach herb in Durham 20 years ago or 30 years ago have allowed like a turnover belt on the sidelines and have you changed your mind about such things
1: oh absolutely absolutely I I, I would not have allowed it 20 years ago okay but, but you're, I, you're you're cool you now to go with the kids yeah May I say one quick thing? Sure. If you, if you were in Charlotte in the stadium Saturday like I was, the best of the week for, would have to be the fans, Tar Heel fans. They beat the seats. The place was rocking. So I'll give them.
0: Hey, by the way, and, and, and go ahead and add that to your best of the weekend, what would you guess the percentages were? In terms of school colors between South Carolina and North Carolina in Charlotte, I we we took the big tailgate tour to a different game. We were going to go to Gamecocks Tar Heels, but we uh, we had to call an audible.
1: Yeah, at first I when I walked in I thought it was going to be uh, majority uh, Gamecocks, but when I got there and after a while I I would say it was no bet no worse than fifty fifty at the worst.
0: I believe it's a sellout for Miami on Saturday night. So we know that prior to the season beginning, Carolina football fans, I mean, they're world famous as basketball fans, but Carolina football fans sold out season tickets for the first time in more than a decade at the revised Keenan Stadium, which if you didn't know, now has synthetic turf and they've reduced the capacity a little bit. Uh, it's a big game. It's one of the reasons we're going there with the big tailgate tour. Mac Brown will join us on the other side. So Herb and Durham, you can tell all your friends you proceeded. Mac Brown on the David Glenn Show today. Thank you for listening and thank you for contributing. More callers throughout the hour, but Mac Brown's the man of the hour, and he was the man of the weekend. We'll ask about his dance, his emotions, the life advice from his wife Sally, the relationship with Miami head coach Manny Diaz. What about the Hurricanes and what they have to offer in terms of a challenge on the field on Saturday night? We'll get into a little bit of just about everything with Mac Brown of the Tar Heels next on the David Glenn Show. Jerome Robinson, are you a hugger or a handshake guy? How does it work if Adam Silver is waiting for you? I really don't know. I, I hope it's not awkward. <laughs> um, you know, I hope it's not like a hand to hug to hand kind of thing, but... I don't know. I might just mess around and just hug him. No hands. I think he's a Uh, hugger. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. Welcome back to The David Glenn Show. Our next guest is not only already in the College Football Hall of Fame, he is the winningest active coach in the entire FBS level, and he, with his Tar Heels, was one of our most popular Best of the Weekend nominees, Mac Brown. Welcome back to Chapel Hill with a victory over South Carolina. How are you?
2: I'm doing great, David. It's uh, college football, so much fun. And South Carolina's got a good team. And, and of course, Coach Muschamp and I have history at Texas. So uh, it was a very difficult opener for us. But we couldn't have scripted it any better because we needed to come from behind win late in the fourth quarter because that's something we haven't done very well the last couple of years. So uh, we we came out of that game with a lot more confidence than we had going
0: in. I met you in 1987, Coach, and I have seen you occasionally emotional. I'm not sure I've ever seen those dance moves before, though. (laughs) Uh, Was that just impromptu? Had any of those UNC football players ever seen those dance moves from you before the locker room on Saturday night in Charlotte? Well, David, it wasn't impromptu. We,
2: we had all of our players and coaches and staff members tell their life story before the team, and it's a, okay. it's a very tense thing. It's a very emotional thing. Uh, what about your family? Who do you respect the most in, in your life? What about hardships in your life? And, and these guys were pouring their hearts out. And so to lighten the mood some, we started having a dance contest before the staff <laughs> or before the team meetings, and Dre Bly was in charge, so you can imagine what that looked right. like. And it was fun. Then they got the coaches involved, so they looked over at me and said, okay, coach, time for you to get up and dance. And I said, guys, I don't dance. And they said, no, 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 you got to dance. And I said, I'll make a deal with you. You beat South Carolina, I'll dance. But, and little did I know at that time, I had not thought about that moment till I got in the dressing room and they were going, dance, dance. And I thought, oh, my gosh. So all I did was try to figure out what I remember some of them doing and try to do the same stuff.
0: That's funny, Coach. As the father of two teenagers, in my case, they never give their dad credit for good dancing. I have a feeling your 18 to uh, (laughs) 23-year-olds probably gave you better grades. Uh, After the game, before you got to the locker room, I imagine your mind was racing in a dozen directions as Allison Williams of ESPN is asking you some questions. And those were clearly tears of joy that had you kind of choked up. What were the main things that contributed to you being so emotional in that moment david i i feel like that when you come to a place you
2: want to hire people and you and those staff members want to impact the place and, and therefore the players and these guys really struggled last year and they tried and i love larry fedora and he's got really nice kids here and and he and Christy Fedora, and, and the last two years it just didn't work, and there were a lot of injuries, and, and they lost so many fourth-quarter games. So uh, to see what we've been trying to pitch them with and, and teach them over the last ten months work, um, it, it just, and, and to see the joy on those kids' faces because they've had a lot of bad Saturdays it was just a little overwhelming for me. I never like to cry in public. I'm a, I'm a crier anyway. I, I cried at the National Anthem when we start the game. I cried everything. So, uh, But, but I, I wasn't prepared. I did games with Allison for a year, so she's a dear friend. Uh, and, and when she hit me with it, I, I started, and then I could feel it coming, and I just could not stop it because I was so happy for those kids. You UNC- and, and the fans. We Our fans were in the heat. Yeah they stayed we we looked ugly some and and they were positive and 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 I thought it was it was great for every North Carolina fan that was there
0: UNC's Mac Brown is joining us on the David Glenn show it was Tar Heels 24 Gamecocks 20 in Charlotte there's no time to exhale though the Miami Hurricanes head to Keenan Stadium on Saturday night we're actually bringing our our big tailgate tour to that game coach I'll tell you more about that another time but uh, you you are our game of the week you mentioned Larry Fedora and his wife you mentioned winning ugly here's a question about your wife there is an old saying that most coaches remember painful defeats infinitely more than they enjoy most victories I have read or heard that your wife Sally demanded of you a different approach and said, Mac, if you win ugly in Charlotte and come back sad, uh, I don't know, the door's going to be locked or something. How did that go? Well, that's
2: exactly what she said. When I said, can we go back and coach, Bubba Cunningham has asked. She said, "Uh, you can only go back and coach if you'll handle losses better because it's your job to take the loss and, and learn from it and turn it into a positive to help these young guys uh, handle adversity. And she said, it's also your job uh, if you lose if you win a game and it's not perfect because this is college football, it's not going to be perfect. You can't be so hard on yourself and the assistant coaches and the players, you you've got to let them enjoy a win. So uh, as bad as some of the things happened on Saturday, I, I said, I, I hear you, honey. I'm going to be positive. We've been positive with the guys. Now, we we're really hard on them uh, on Sunday. Uh, we're practicing really hard with them this week because we've got to correct the mistakes that we made, but we are definitely going to always enjoy a win no matter how ugly it is. is. We'll, we'll We're going to celebrate it till we get to Sunday night, and then after Sunday night we're going to give it up and get ready for the next one.
0: You've been around this game a lot longer than I have, but it feels like 90% of the time a head coach leads his team onto the field, and yet in Charlotte you specified that it was going to be your senior players who led the rest of the team onto that field before the Gamecocks. Why was that important to you? David, it's uh, the seniors' last shot. Those guys haven't been –
2: they went to bowl games their first year or their second if they were here for five years. And last two years they haven't been to bowl games. And I wanted to make sure that our team understands this this is it for the seniors. And and we need to do everything possible to help them have the, the magical year that they'll remember the rest of their lives, and and it's not my team. the The coaches, when the coaches are leading the team, it's an average team, because they don't hear you all the time. Yeah. When the players are leading the team, you've got a chance to have a great team. So uh, we're really pushing player led teams and and that's why we want them and the strength coaches to be in front going out on the field
0: crazy stat the last time UNC football won a season opener against a power five opponent was 1997 I remember a brown-haired Mac Brown as the head coach of that team. 22 years later, you have another season-opening Power 5 victory, this time over South Carolina. Sam Howell, we believe, although we're not sure how far the record books go back, first true freshman at quarterback you believe to ever to start a season opener in the history of Carolina football. Uh, He made clutch throws. He took a lot of wicked hits, but he never seemed to lose his confidence or his cool. How did you assess him both on Saturday and then what else did you see after maybe looking at some game video
2: i thought he performed really really well we we went into the ball game uh phil longo and I and the offensive staff uh, wanting to take care of him get him started off right so uh, we had some things in there early that uh could have worked but they they were too conservative really so after the first quarter we said okay we're gonna have to play so this is a big, strong defense. We can't just run the ball. We're, we're going to have to get him involved. And he uh, averages 16-yard-plus uh, per, per completion. He made some key plays with his feet. We've got to teach him to get down. He, he's not bigger than the guys like he was some in high school, so he took too many hits. Yeah. Uh, so, we're, we're showing him a Kyler Murray video this week so we can show him how Vince Young video. Don't ever get hit, man. Uh, get, get down. Get out of the way. Get your first down. Step out of bounds. Don't, don't be trying to be a running back. Uh, but I thought that uh, uh, some tough things happened during the ball game, and, and he handled them all really well. Got to do a better job protecting the ball. The quarterback's got the worst ball security on the field because he never gets hit in practice. And and they get a little sloppy with it. He dropped it twice. We got on it once. They got on it once. But that was our only turnover. But uh, when when he had a delay a game to start the game, I thought Phil Longo did a great job of, of, of just sending in another play and not screaming and shouting. Sam looked like he didn't even know that there was a penalty. And he kept working. And that's pretty much the way he was throughout the day.
0: Coach, I have been to every football venue in the state of North Carolina in my 33 years covering this stuff. And I think when your Tar Heels played Florida State in 1997, that is the loudest in-state venue that I have ever been a personal witness to. I know it might not be that this Saturday night, but it is your first home game in 22 years. Your fan base already has responded, I know, this summer by selling out season tickets for the first time in over a decade, I think it was. What is your request or your message to them as the Miami Hurricanes, with a big brand name, come to Keenan Stadium uh, for a primetime game on uh, ACC Network.
2: Well, David, this should be a really uh, a big treat for our fans because Miami's really good, and they've had two weeks to prepare for us, and they're mad over their Florida game. Yep. So, uh, And it, it, it's uh, important because it's in the coastal, and, and we want to win our division for sure. Uh, so I, I've got two requests to the fans. I, I want the fans to be in their seats at 730, 30 minutes before the game, so when our team leaves the field, uh, they can tell them how how much how ready they are to play and how they're going to help our team throughout the game. And the second thing is I want our fans to be so loud that we quit talking about the Florida State game in 97. <laughs> we want this to be the loudest anybody's ever heard Kenan Stadium because we're going to need some help.
0: Coach, you are a master of relationships in my experience, whether it's your colleagues or the players or their parents uh, or even some of your opponents or your old media buddies. Manny Diaz is both close to you in one sense, worked three years almost for you with the Texas Longhorns, and yet you had to fire him early in that 2013 season. Now, of course, he's the head coach at Miami. How do you, I mean, even the expert of relationships, that might be a little tricky. What's it been like with Manny since then, and especially now that your ACC opponents wearing those head coaches' caps and with his Miami team coming to Chapel Hill Saturday? Well,
2: David, uh, Miami, uh, Manny and I are at a great place, and it was a situation. We weren't as good at Texas. I had older coaches in the room. It wasn't his fault. It was just a, a, a situation that needed to be fixed, and, and, and we had to take some different angles to try to get it fixed so it wasn't about Manny it was more about me and and that uh, I had let things slide some so we we just weren't as good and and we had to make a statement but I've called a Miami game every year that that Mark Rick was there I've called three I've been around Manny a lot I've seen him at meetings I love his wife Stephanie and and the the boys Uh, Manny's a great person great coach and uh, he and I are at a good place
0: I'm sure you studied Manny Diaz's defenses even prior to this season starting, but uh, they have played a game, as you mentioned, that close loss to Florida. What jumped out at you and your staff about the Hurricanes when you looked at that video from, what, about a week and a half ago? Uh,
2: They have great talent. Them and Clemson, to me, are are by far the most talented teams in this league uh, to start with. Uh, Secondly, they play hard. That defense is so good. Florida really struggled at moving the ball at all. And like us, they've got a young quarterback, but they've got a lot of skill and they've got a lot of speed in space. So. Uh, we will absolutely have our hands full on Saturday night.
0: Last thing for you, Coach. You mentioned trying to win the Coastal. I don't know if that's just a bar that you set every year, regardless of circumstances. On the one hand, it's hard to bounce from you know two or three wins all the way to a Coastal title. But on the other hand, I don't know how much other football you've seen over the weekend. But it's not like there's anybody unbeatable in your division, even if you know Clemson looms as the king of the ACC on the other side. Uh, what is your message to your players along those? lines? David, our, our message stays uh, consistent. Uh, number one, we, we want to win
2: the opener because you can't have an undefeated team unless you win the opener. Number two, we want to definitely beat every team that's in our state because unless you can win your state uh, by beating those teams, it's harder to recruit in state. Uh, and, and that's very, very important to us. Then we want to win the Coastal. Then we want to win the Atlantic Coast Conference. And then we want to go to the playoffs and. And, and win the national championship and, and that's, that's scripted, it's up in our building. It's simple. Uh, that That's who we want to be. Um, should we talk about it after last year? It doesn't matter. This is a new team and and who knows what's going to happen. We, we've got to get a lot better. We've got to make a lot of improvements. Uh, but, uh, that's why it's fun right now. We're, we're excited about who we are and where we're headed.
0: Mac Brown, part two. Mac is back, and he is 1-0 after beating South Carolina. Canes at heels Saturday night in primetime. Coach, uh, congratulations on getting off on the right foot, and thank you, as always, for your time on the David Glenn Show. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me on. We'll see everybody on Saturday night. We'll see you there. I'll be on Franklin Street with the big tailgate tour. Coach, of course, will have his hands full with the Miami Hurricanes. Quick factoid for you about the College Football Hall of Famer. There are four and only four coaches who are one of the two winningest coaches at two different Power Five football programs. So I got to word that carefully to make sure I'm right. But y'all know the name Pop Warner. The guy's so famous in football circles, he has a league named after him posthumously, right? Y'all know the name Bear Bryant. He fits this description. Steve Spurrier, Duke and Florida. One of the two winningest coaches at two different Power Five football programs. Mac Brown's the only other name on that list. He's top two at Texas. He is top two at the University of North Carolina. And, of course, he is adding to that victory total as we speak with the Tar Heels. That's why all four of those guys, Pop Warner, Bear Bryant, Steve Spurrier, Mac Brown, that's why all four of them are already in the College Football Hall of Fame, but only one of them is still coaching. His name is Mac Brown. And one more twist, as a first-year head coach, Manny Diaz, takes the more talented team uh, into Keenan Stadium. I think even Mac Brown would describe that, given what he just said about Clemson and Miami being the two most talented teams in the ACC. That's a first-year head coach, Manny Diaz, taking on the, active, the, the winningest active coach in the FBS level right now, Mac Brown of the Tar Heels, and a guy who, along with, remember, it's only Alabama's Nick Saban, Clemson's Dabo Sweeney, Jimbo Fisher won it all at Florida State. He's now the head coach at Texas A&M. And it's easy to forget, Les Miles won the national title at LSU. He just had his opener at Kansas. Those are the only five guys, Mack Brown being one of those five, who have won the national title as a head coach at the FBS level and is still coaching, uh, or are still coaching. So those are some nice lists to be on. That doesn't mean you're going to be able to beat Miami on Saturday night, but a lot of folks bet against the Tar Heels in Charlotte against South Carolina as well. We'll see. Can they make a run toward the top of the Coastal Division? Be one big step in the right direction if they can take out Miami on Saturday night. Quick reminder to Carolina fans, we're bringing the big tailgate tour to Franklin Street. We come to Carolina at least twice a year. This is our first of those stops here in the 2019 Big Tailgate Tour. You can find our full schedule at BigTailgateTour.com. And we ask that if you're tailgating before the 8 p.m. Miami UNC game, come see us or we'll find you. We'll be in front of the Universal United Methodist Church on Franklin Street, East Franklin Street, to be clear. And you can come see our tents, games, prizes, the Continental Tire Toss. Maybe you can win four free Continental Tires. My staff and I will be accompanied by the Carolina Hurricanes Storm Squad. 4.30 to 7.30 are our games there on the lawn in front of the church right next to Franklin Street. And then, of course, we all head into Keenan Stadium for the football. And that's why we pull up stakes at 730. But if you'll tell us where you'll be anywhere in that huge tailgating complex we know as the UNC campus, just drop us an email, Glenshow at gmail.com, or there is a form you can fill out very quickly at bigtailgatetour.com. Tailgate of the week prizes are pretty cool. The Tailgate of the Year prize is worth thousands of dollars, and you can only win that if you win Tailgate of the Week at some point here in the 2019 season. Again, the website is BigTailgateTour.com. The email address, Glenshow at gmail.com. Mac Brown and his Tar Heels were among the best of the extended Labor Day weekend. We'll get more into your phone calls and more of our own best and worst of the weekend. 1-800-849-2761 is how you can be a part of it on the David Glenn Show. Roy Williams, welcome yeah. back to the David Glenn
1: Show. Last year, two chains came walking by and he reached his hand down and uh, shook my hand and said, Two chains. And about five seconds after he walked away, I said, I missed a great opportunity. I should have said three rings.
0: <laughs> Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. Back to the David Glenn show. Appreciate man of the hour, man of the weekend, Mac Brown for squeezing a visit in here with us. We'll see him, maybe we'll see you Saturday night in Chapel Hill. Game time, eight o'clock. That means our tailgate tour will be set up on Franklin Street, kind of across from the old Sutton's Drugstore, or no, the uh, yeah, Sutton's Drugstore at Four Corners Bar and Restaurant, right there in front of the University of United Methodist Church. That is our stakeout place whenever we go to chapel hill thanks again to the folks at backyard bistro for helping us host a very successful launch of the 2019 big tailgate tour prior to the Wolfpack taking down the ecu pirates at carter finley you could be next with your vote what was the best thing you saw what was the worst thing you saw anywhere in the sports universe and why we have votes for serena williams raphael nadal roger federer and others from the u.s tennis open the Atlanta Braves and Astros pitcher Justin Verlander from Major League Baseball were dissecting Panthers decisions over the weekend as the NFL regular season is now only 2 days away. We get NFL football starting Thursday night and all the way through Monday night. This past weekend of course, it was college football front and center. Many of our best and worst of the weekend came from that sport. Florida State, Tennessee, Virginia Tech and others among the worst of the weekend. The winners of those games at the expense of those teams were among those voted best of the weekend. Boise beat Florida State in Tallahassee. It was Georgia State with its first ever football win over a power five opponent winning against the Tennessee Volunteers it was Boston College getting off on the right ACC foot and beating the Hokies of Virginia Tech up in Chestnut Hill credit to Jalen Hurts of the Sooners Justin Fields of the Buckeyes transfer quarterbacks who started their seasons in a new uniform in style the Sooners and the Buckeyes, both top five in many preseason polls. Auburn had arguably the biggest win on the national scene. It was comeback fashion 27-21 over a number number 11 Oregon team. The Pac-12 continues to just lose in the spotlight virtually every year. It has been more than a decade since a Pac-12 team beat a ranked SEC opponent. And we don't know if they're all automatically going to fall out of the college football playoff picture again. Oregon's not the only team that matters there. But as the SEC has made it every year, as the ACC has made the college football playoff every single year of that format, and of course was a big part of the BCS as well, the Pac-12 is at the far other end of that spectrum. The Pac-12 in football, not a great start. The SEC, by the way, correctly called in most years the best that college football has to offer just as it's usually the ACC is the best in college basketball season the SEC is a weird conglomerate this year as we come to your calls best and worst of the weekend and whatever question you have about your favorite team after a big win or an ugly loss state Clemson And others, Syracuse fits this description. App State fits this description. Not a lot of best of the weekend votes because you were supposed to do what you did, right? Against a lesser opponent. Clemson over Georgia Tech. NC State over ECU. Syracuse at Liberty. App State taking on ETSU. I mean, those were supposed to be avalanche wins, and they were. You don't get a trophy for that best of the weekend style, but there was more good news than bad in all of those cases. Bigger wins... UVA going to Pitt and thrashing the Panthers, who were last year's Coastal Division champions. Carolina going to Charlotte and beating the Gamecocks. Again, thanks to Mac Brown for stopping by earlier this hour. Wake Forest had to deal with a guy being touted for the Heisman Trophy from Utah State, which if you didn't know, is considered one of the best teams in the Mountain West Conference this year. The Deeks won 38-35 Friday night in Winston-Salem. One more best of the weekend for the extended Labor Day weekend. You can jump in at 1-800-849-2761. If you have a question or comment about the college football weekend that was the Panthers or other cuts, the best and worst of the weekend dominated by you in my inbox anyway college football left and right I have more on those games those teams those coaches and those star players we will come back to your calls now Mick Mixon is our NFL slash Panthers guest he is the voice of the Carolina Panthers they did make some surprising moves over the weekend on cutdown day and if in the aftermath. Mick live in about 20 minutes. Your calls now at 1-800-849-2761. The one coach under the most scrutiny going into the weekend also was the same coach who had one of the most disappointing losses of the weekend. That is a bad place to be. There's a little pressure on a guy like Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. Why? very successful at Memphis as a head coach, very successful as Frank Beamer's successor at Virginia Tech for his first two years. Remember one of those two, he took the Hokies to the ACC title game, double-digit victories. That's a heck of a transition, right? Well, year three, they needed to reschedule a canceled game just to get to the six wins you need to make a bowl, and then they lost the bowl, so that's an ugly number. For that program, a football first school used to be in a lot of the right conversations for a long time under Frank Beamer. Justin Fuente in his fourth year is under some scrutiny because if year three is good after the first two were bad, well, then you just say you're on an upward swing. If year three is bad after year one and two are really good, what do they say? Oh, you used Frank Beamer's players in your better years, and now by year three, when you have more of your own guys, Oh, you barely made a bowl game. So some scrutiny. And then you lose to BC in your opener. That's no embarrassment, by the way. BC's a solid team this year. But worst of the weekend from some Hokies fans who think because of transfers and losses and other things that that arrow is pointed in the wrong direction. Nobody, not Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech, not even second-year Tennessee coach Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, he's under some heat now. Don't get me wrong. They lost to Georgia State nobody fits the description of Florida State's Willie Taggart. As we go to Justin in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, he wants in on college football. Your best or worst of the weekend or your question about your favorite team's big win or perhaps ugly loss, Willie Taggart of Florida State missed the bowl game last year and continued an alarming trend by being up at the half and then losing the game anyway. This happened to him at Oregon and got some Ducks fans unhappy with him. This has happened to him at Florida State, including last year in his rookie year, basically as the head coach there. The Seminoles were up 31 to 13 over Boise State at the half, 31 to 13 leading. They lost 36 to 31. That means you were outscored 23 to zip in the second half. Halftime adjustments are one thing that fans like to look for if they're going to fall in love or out of love with a coach. If you're losing and you're turning halftime leads into defeats, it's only going to make the spotlight that much hotter on you. And how about this stat as we come to your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Willie Taggart also, by the way, needs a media relations consultant. I'm not kidding about this. I've been around a long time. There are times that you can say something that is true out loud and you still should not say it for public relations reasons. You just shouldn't. Blaming your players too much can hurt you on the recruiting trail. A mom sees that, a dad sees that, a player sees that, a high school coach sees that. If you compliment and criticize, usually you get the benefit of the doubt. But choose your words carefully. When you see a coach's wheels turning as he's in the post-game press conferences for these reasons, what do I want the public to know about what I'm thinking? They have filters. You would be an unwise head coach if you did not have filters. Willie Taggart needs to listen to a media relations specialist on what he does and does not share because the hot light keeps getting hotter because, again, missed a bowl last year, keeps losing halftime leads. In the last 82 times, in the last 82 times that Florida State football had a lead of 18 or more points, and yes, here in 2019, there are you know ESPN, Stats and & Info, and others who will help you with these numbers. They have lost twice, 15 years, 82 times Florida State football in the last 15 years, 82 times they have been up by 18 points or more within a college football game. Of those 82 times they were up 18 or more, they won 80, and they lost two. This is over a decade and a half. Both examples of the big lead getting away are under the second-year head coach, Willie Taggart. It happened against the Miami Hurricanes, a rival last year. And it happened against Boise State, which started a freshman quarterback. And the game, because of the hurricane, was played in Tallahassee, a home game for FSU. You were under the hottest spotlight all offseason. You lost your opener. Now, it is against a good team. I don't know. Florida State fans probably don't want to hear that. But Boise might be really, really good. They might be the the non-Power 5 representative, you know, come bowl selection season in the bigger bowls. You complicate matters unnecessarily when you say things like this to the media in the aftermath. Here's the headline at ESPN right now. Taggart, colon, dehydration possible factor in Florida State's loss. Now listen, either you're just grasping at straws as a desperate coach who knows that he is on the wrong end of some arrows, pun intended, from Florida State fans, okay? Either you're grasping at straws and you just saw a player cramping up and you blurt that out at your post game or wherever or at your media session the next day. Bad idea. If you don't have some evidence behind the idea that you were dehydrated, if you're just throwing it out, you look like an excuse maker and you don't even have the evidence to back it up. But even if it's true, Even if it is true, Boise's comeback was in large part because Boise was well-conditioned in the Tallahassee heat on a Saturday afternoon this weekend, and your Seminoles were less well-conditioned and were cramping up as a result. Even if that's true, on whom does it reflect poorly? They don't care that you're not the strength and conditioning coach. The head coach is responsible for all of these things, directly or indirectly. You can't say out loud whether it's true or false. We lost to Boise because we were the less well-conditioned team. If it's untrue, you're an excuse maker. And if it is true, you look like a guy who doesn't understand your place at the top of the pyramid. If you're not setting the right tone in the strength and conditioning department, who is? You're the head coach. Again, head coaches, I've been around hundreds of them. Many of them think stupid things. They do. They're human beings. (laughs) The smart ones have a right-hand man or woman that they bounce stuff off of, and they don't share filterless every thought in their head at all times about what just went right and what just went wrong there is a pr aspect to being the head coach and on a topic like this it is best to be left alone whoever's fault players cramping dehydration is it easier to prepare for the heat in tallahassee on a september saturday when you know you're based in boise freaking idaho Or is it easier if you're actually based in the Sunshine State? Come on, man. Come on. Somebody who cares about you, if you threw whatever, throw a bunch of talking points out before you walk in to meet the media, if you don't realize that all smart coaches do this with their right-hand men or women, you don't know how this stuff works. It's not always easy after a big game to have a lot of time to talk to that right-hand person before meeting the media. But certainly the day after, at a media session, there are things you don't want to say whether or not they're true, and there are other things you might want to say because they're talking points, even if you're stretching the truth a little bit, just to try to get people to give you the benefit of the doubt or to give your own players more confidence, right? Of course, they read your quotes. You have to think about all of these things. If the truth serum answer is we don't have enough talent and I'm not sure half my guys care, you can't say that out loud. Of course not. This is another example of what you cannot say out loud. You can't. You can't always say the truth out loud when you're in a public figure job like CEO or who knows, president, governor, et cetera, or in this case, college football coach. Hopefully you don't lie to us repeatedly. We have problems with that right now in American society. But it's okay to not tell us the whole truth and nothing but the truth at all times about dehydration or whatever else you think may have contributed to your disappointing loss to Boise State this weekend. He has enough talent that he can definitely turn this season around. He is following ugly loss with shoot-yourself-in-the-foot quotes. And at a football-first school that's mad that they missed the bowl last year, you are going the wrong way when you do and say such things as Willie Taggart at Florida State. 1-800-849-2761. Your phone calls, Mick Mixon of the Carolina Panthers, drops by in about 10 minutes. We're glad you're with us on The David Glenn Show. The
1: head devil David Cutcliffe. You guys have a unique ability to, to just do it right. You know, all the fans are always going to defend their programs, and they should. Sometimes we all make somebody at another program mad or angry, but you guys
0: are very fair to everybody.
1: The David Glenn Show.
0: Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Hour three will begin with the voice of the Carolina Panthers, Mick Mixon. With the NFL's regular season just two days away, Panthers wait until Sunday to take on and host the L.A. Rams. There are a lot of changes in the broadcast booth for the Carolina Panthers. Now Mick Mixon, our friend, is still the voice of the Panthers, and he will join us live in about five minutes. But the rest of that crew has changed significantly. And oh, by the way, after Saturday's cut day, did you know Reggie Bonifon and Jordan Scarlett are Christian McCaffrey's backups at running back? Did you know Graham Gano isn't going to kick for anybody at all this season? And did you know that Kyle Allen and Will Greer are taking up 53-man roster spots, even though, barring injuries, Greer is unlikely to be active during his rookie season. We'll talk all things NFL, all things Carolina Panthers. They even made some additions after making a whole bunch of subtractions to get down to 53, plus the practice squad voice of the Panthers, Mick Mixon, next on The David Glenn Show. I believe it is the NBA's turn in the line dance, and I don't think they can dance. I don't think they can dance as well as DG dances, and I'm only a three or a four. The David Glenn Show, weekdays at noon.